0: Hey, this is Marina, and you're listening to Sober Baby, a show about how the one thing I have to change is everything. Every Friday, I invite you to hang out with me and my guests on Instagram Live as we talk about addiction, sobriety, and everything in between. Yay. Hi, everyone. So excited to be here. Um, We are just... Getting started, I love how you said it was Jenya because when I first met Jenny, I was like, Oh yeah, it's handmade by Jenya and it's handmade by Jenny A. But you know what? Uh, like oh. Jenya. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I, that's it's the worst thing. That it's was not the, the worst thing. It's a, a magical thing that when you meet people on Instagram first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah. Maybe always associate them with their Instagram. Always. Maybe? And then it becomes confusing when you're trying to either figure out their real name or remember it, especially if you're bad at it I mean, your are Zinka
0: Project, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, what, is it, what even is Zinka Project? And, like, I just know you, you know what I mean? Um, I'm going to fade this music out. Thank you to Miranda. Thanks, Miranda, for a brand-new play- playlist for the rest of Sober Baby. And hi, everyone. Um, let us know how your week has been. Let us know how our audio and video quality is. And... I don't know, have a glass of water, have some, did you already chug your Red Bull? I did, I chugged wow. it. Wow, <laughs> I needed it so much. It's going to be that kind of episode. <laughs> um, I'm just going to fiddle with this unless I put it down because, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't lose that because that's the only, I, I do not have
1: it written down anywhere
0: else. Yeah. You don't even have a picture of it like in your phone notes or something? Nope. <laughs> um, well, hi sober baby people. Hi sober babies and not sober babies. Um, Jessica's here. Hello. You're hi. back, dude. I'm back. You're totally back. Second time. I know. The first time that you were on the show, other than being amazing, was the first time we ever used the audio equipment. That's right. It was like, we've come so far. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the mics actually aren't even recording, Jenny. I'm just going to tell you now, in public, so that I can just get it over with. The card is full, and I don't know how to erase it. So, these are just for show today, but usually... (laughs) Usually, they're recording the audio. Um, I can't... You know, it's not a one-person show, okay? I just I fall apart when Jenny's not here. <laughs> Jenny's been traveling the country for, like, two weeks. Good for Jenny. Good for Jenny. Mm-hmm. Bad for Sober Baby. Mm-hmm.
1: Wait, is Jenny,
0: Genya, Jenny? Yeah, it's Jenny oh! Yeah, it's, like, a whole thing. <laughs> I know. That's what I've been trying to say. Handmade by Jenny is mm. our is our audio engineer, is the audio engineer for Sober Baby. I understand no. Um... Yeah, Jenny, don't be mad. Please, just like forgive me for this one, okay? It's been a big week, and it's been a big week for you. You're going to London next week.
1: I go to London on Monday.
0: Oh my god! I feel like I'm I'm
1: trying to talk into the mic. No, even
0: though I talk like yeah, (laughs) nothing is happening on these microphones right now. They're just totally. What would your karaoke song be? Maybe that's how we could start.
1: Oh, uh, my go-to for the first song, because I always sing more than one song, is "Alone" by Heart.
0: Wow, how does it go?
1: I definitely won't sing without music, but if you put music on, I will sing. Okay. Uh,
0: this whole we'll end.
1: But the second and third song are always determined by the crowd.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. So you've done karaoke before. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. It's
1: my, it's the thing I love to do. Yes.
0: Although I haven't done good it in like now. two
1: years because of the pandemic.
0: Yeah. I just did my first uh, karaoke this year for the first time ever. First time? Yeah. The first, first time was like in a park this mm-hmm. past year. So it was kind of like, it was definitely official. Like there were some very good singers, but then like, in a bar in front of a crowd yeah I almost like shit my pants I was so it's very scary oh it's very scary
1: I get I freak out every time I have to like my stomach just flip-flops but then I get on stage and it's just like nobody cares how good you are they just care about your stage
0: presence that's true
1: you just have to like perform
0: yeah I feel like I've just been in some tough crowds because the second time the first official time was in LA and it was Mm -hmm. one of those bars where it's like oh it's all people who want to be singers you know they were they're so good they were so good See, okay
1: i'm okay with that kind of crowd as long as they're still welcoming to the people who don't clearly are not meant to be singers but just love karaoke if Mm -hmm. you're not welcoming to that then why are you at karaoke you're just there to show off i don't know
0: i I just like
1: the, the purpose the purpose
0: I actually put my name in to the karaoke as Shade, because I was like, I can't go up as Marina. Like, I have to go Mm. up as Shade. And then I did Avril Lavigne, and I think I killed it. I mean, you probably did. Yeah, I think I did. In my mind, it was a really good performance, and I think that's all that matters. That's exactly right. Um, But what's your karaoke song, guys? Want to know. Definitely want to know. I love hearing other people's. Yeah. (sighs) I cut my hair this week, and I don't know how to style it yet, so I just have these little flippies.
1: I was going to touch it. Yeah, touch it. Okay, Okay.
0: Boink i kind of like it <laughs> it's just it's like a nice. little ski slope um mm-hmm. but we're here to talk about you not me
1: mm-hmm. so i did i did not brush my hair today i meant to brush that's, it. <laughs> and instead i put it up and i was like later i was like oh i have to be on like that's a kind your of your vibe though. though
0: top knot top messy knot is the vibe wow bedrock by young money is Danny. that's fun oh my gosh. i want to see that i want to see bedrock
1: by young Money. we should
0: host a we should host a karaoke night I would. I would much rather be would... a host than perform.
1: Oh, it's fun to host too. Like, and it's a it's a whole vibe.
0: It, uh, I hey, everyone, welcome to Sober Baby <laughs> Karaoke. I'm your host, Baby, and <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's fun hosting. You get to like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, laugh I at know, people. Yeah, no, you get to like oh. encourage them. Oh. Like, okay, so <laughs> I'm the person at karaoke. Who's one probably singing too much if I am given the opportunity, but two I'm the person dancing in front of the stage, oh, like yeah. like basically Slowly like, clips like of the heart. you have to you have to get people hyped on stage <laughs> you have to support them because people freak out and then they like they don't they get nervous and but if you're up there like hyping them up mm. in front of them and mm-hmm. dancing and singing along and like showing them how good they're doing even when they're not doing good yeah it's great it's like fun to be that person and the host is like the extreme version of that person plus they're supposed to start and they're supposed to sing the first.
0: So. Wow. Okay. Well, I take it back. Um, I don't want to be the host anymore, but I do want to give a quick shout out to Danny because Danny, who is my lovely, lovely partner, whose photograph I'm looking at here, because we are at Good News Arts in High Springs, which is the gallery that Jessica is. I run. A part of is the runner of is the like is the facilitator of like I you like, like you be facilitate this like beautiful community space and um, has so kindly let. me show my art here um but I'm just thinking about how who is your
1: friend who we just met um
0: Beth Beth who rides up on a bicycle that has like a front wheel it has a two the two wheels in the back but it's like a big it's like a big kid tricycle it's an adult
1: tricycle lots lots of the the folks out here in high springs ride tricycle because many of the folks out here in high springs are advanced in age
0: they are (laughs) advanced in age so your friend Beth advanced in age also riding an adult tricycle, comes up, and is just like, what was she said? It was so funny. She's just like, I like the photo of your girlfriend. It reminds me of a girlfriend I used to have. <laughs> it's just like, that's so beautiful that, like, She's, someone... It's, it's really nice. Like, identified, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I know I'm like, look, just, I'm like laughing about it, but it's because it's just, it was so pure and so lovely, and I just think about how those kinds of community connections... Weren't necessarily being forged in the other space that I showed art in, and like mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to show here. Which is why if you're in Gainesville or if you're in anywhere near this area of the world, um, show up tomorrow, support Good News Arts generally, and
1: and support Marina and, and yes. this incredible show. And come, come party with me tomorrow. We're, We're not gonna games. have
0: karaoke. I mean, we could have. You never know what's gonna. Oh my God, we could have night. karaoke tomorrow. Um, but I yeah. Have a microphone. Dude, we could do karaoke tomorrow. If you yeah. want to come... You could do it at the end of the night. Let's do it. No one's going to know. <laughs> okay, if you want to see me perform Believe by Cher tomorrow... That's a good one. That's fine.
1: Oh, oh Turn Back... If I Could Turn Back Time is a great... That's one of my other favorites. So we could both do shares. Yeah. And then hype everyone else up and then everyone has to sing.
0: Yeah. Welcome to no Karaoke to anything, Baby, where we talk about what karaoke songs are. <laughs> to. um, yeah, tomorrow we're going to do an impromptu karaoke session and everyone's invited. But wow. Yeah, and you're doing karaoke sober. Mm-hmm. We both are.
1: Yes. Uh, so I was going to say, karaoke is one of the things that survived my transition into survival. Mm. Many things did not.
0: That's um, like pretty profound.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, 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 I love karaoke when I drink. And I did it all the time. I often did not remember it. And like, there's several stories where Mm. I'm like, I went on stage and tried to sing a really hard song, but couldn't even read the screen because I was so drunk. And so I just got up there and like danced awkwardly. And that's (laughs) um, that's like, not as fun. And people were shocked to learn that I would still do karaoke sober because everybody's like, I had to be drunk to do karaoke. And I'm like, Mm. actually, let me tell you about sober karaoke. There is something magical about being totally freaked out and totally scared, and saying, I can curse, right? I you can, can totally swear. And saying, fuck it, and I'm just gonna, like, go on the stage and do my best, and
0: maybe I'll bomb, and maybe I'll kill it, and it's great. Yeah. So. Yeah. I shake in my boots. I quake and shake before, generally before any public speaking now, um, whereas before I was just liquefied, so I didn't even know what's going on, but it's, it's, it's a profound, like, emotional experience with the anticipation Mm -hmm. and then like when you step on stage and you perform and then afterwards it's like it's like wild
1: it's i I think it's the best feeling
0: well does bucky's have karaoke
1: (laughs) they really i'm surprised they don't because they have they have everything including this really stellar shirt um, but I don't think they have karaoke.
0: Two other guests who have been on this show, uh Manu and Chloe introduced Danny and I to Bucky's because I think like maybe I could be wrong. uh so if you're watching this Chloe, correct me, but I'm pretty sure like Chloe's dad was like, you guys need to go to Buckys, and like it's just wild. If you've been to Bucky's, you know you know what the what the deal is and people are obsessed shirt, with it
1: like I know many Texans who have like a serious like thing with um Buckys. Bucky's. And then when it opened here, I started to learn what it was, and I noticed that a lot of people mm. seem to have this... It was sort of like went to, to, Is there a cookout down here? No. I yeah. don't even know what a cookout is. So it's something from, like, North Carolina or somewhere. I don't know. But when one opened in Atlanta, people flipped out. Mm. And um, there's still, like, lines around the block, but when it first opened, you couldn't even
0: go because it was wow. always,
1: like, ridiculous to get in.
0: Northerners do not have that kind of, like uh commitment to things i <laughs> i don't know i mean anyone who's watching this who's from the northeast i'm just like i can't even tell you there, if there's anything that we get that excited about like we don't it's just like whatever mm. but then you get down here and it's like wawa you know and it's like bucky oh yeah wawa's another one wawa. like that people like
1: get really excited
0: about wawa maybe dunkin donuts if you're in boston it's like i need some dunkies you know for the winter
1: when <laughs> I think there was oh, was it Krispy Kreme or Dunkin'. One of them, when I lived in Tokyo for a year, and the year I lived there, I can't remember which donut brand. It was either Dunkin' or Krispy Kreme, like the first one ever opened in Japan in Tokyo. And there were lines. I mean, really? and, well, and I will say like, from in my experience, the Japanese love to line up for things. Like they're very comfortable with this this concept and the lines where I could, I didn't get to go the whole year I lived there because it was so packed and I was like, okay, cool. Donuts.
0: I'll go home and eat them. So I love donuts. I absolutely love donuts. Um, I don't even like want to, we have to get into it. Because yeah. Just I know like, I feel
1: like we've just been talking about it. Like,
0: no, but like, I love it because I'm just like, it's just so fun to just to shoot, shoot the show with yeah. you. But the last time that you were on this episode, um we talked about a lot we talked about a lot of different things and a couple things we didn't get to um which is why we're here today is parenting Mm -hmm. sobriety and parenting and also like your art practice because you are a practicing artist as well as a performer and curator and like all these other you know um you wear a lot of hats you're a lot of different messy buns Mm -hmm. um i know top knot top notch top notch so however you want to kind of like start the conversation I'm here to listen
1: I was thinking a lot about this and I meant to re-listen to our episode because I kind of don't remember entirely Mm. all the things but um I was thinking a lot about this and I was actually thinking about the sort of the wearing of many different hats and like work the Mm. desire to kind of do a lot of different kinds of work Mm. and I was thinking about where you are at, at in your sobriety and where I'm at, because I also just had my nine year sober birthday on November 1st. So amazing. It's very exciting. And when you get, I mean, when you're first in it, it feels like every year is so big because you're like, oh God, this was so, so hard. Yeah. And now it's, now for me, it's a little bit more like a fact of life. And so there's like other things I start to think about. Mm. But in that middle phase of sobriety, I would say like three to five years in, is when I really started to understand that some of my, Instinctual behaviors were still ways in which I acted with like, like an addict or an addict behavior mm. your styles, even if I wasn't consuming alcohol. Mm. And I think a lot of that is tied to how I perceive my value and how I perceive that value related to my labor. And so that yeah. is why I do a lot of different things and probably burn the candle at many, many ends, but I've been trying to learn, I've been spent a lot of time in the past four to five years since I got married and went into grad school and then had a child, trying to figure out how to balance
0: that while still adding more things to my plate, so. <laughs> yeah, you have like a whole candelabra, it's not even one candle <laughs> that burning. I mean, me too, I think like... Uh, but I think
1: it's, and that's what I was thinking about, I was like yeah. thinking about you, and when I... <laughs> know about you and how we have interacted and I'm like in some ways I'm like well we understand each other so there's never I don't feel any tension at like the polls that we both have going in different directions during this process of the show being here the gallery but I also am like I see the same behaviors and the same like (laughs) desire to kind of constantly be working and like pushing yourself in a lot of different ways and I think some of that's tied to like being you know in recovery and being a person who's just like not necessarily trying to avoid things, but trying to figure out how to fill their life with valuable things.
0: Yeah. And and a little bit about, like, like learning who you
1: are as a person. Because totally. once I got sober, I had to basically re-meet myself.
0: I was just talking to someone about that on the drive here, actually. And she was expressing fear around how... Um, just, like, in early sobriety, and maybe at any point in sobriety, and also just generally, I think, as a human experience, like we can do lots of things to avoid uh, meeting ourselves, you know? Um, And it doesn't even have to be addictive behavior. It can just be like choosing not to think about yourself, right? Um, And I was really struck by how she was articulating just how scary it seems for her to meet herself. And I, I identify with that deeply. I'm like, there are parts of myself that really scare me. And there are also parts of myself that I just, I'm like, I don't need to be still right now. Like I can just, If there's a moment to be still, let me fill that. And that is like a deep way of avoiding Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Even though I'm like, oh, we need a new sponge. Like, let me make an excuse to go out and like buy a new sponge, mommy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like go to Trader Joe's. Like there's just, let me fill something. And it's like, what am I trying to fill?
1: Like, what am I trying to fill? I just realized this isn't on, so I just had a little tiny burp. (laughs) A little tiny burp.
0: (laughs) I'm constantly worried that I have a booger in my nose right now, guys. Do I? Because I really feel like I do. Okay. Sorry. That was a very serious
1: statement. And then I was like.
0: No, that's sobriety that's for you. Mm. What am I running from? <coughs> <laughs>
1: no, but I agree. Like it's, and that's, um, so then you get sober and you don't have as many distractions or at least it's just like you have to figure out the balance part. So I spent a lot of time in my early sobriety learning, trying to figure out who I was mm. and mostly by staying way too busy and then trying to confront that. And then I felt a little more confident in who I was. And then I had a baby.
0: Yeah, like, (laughs) I don't even want to say no offense because that's like, it's like, you're obviously being offensive, but it's just like, how did you have a, how are you a sober parent? Mm Hmm. I think like holy
1: shit well I think more people are sober now as parents than maybe used to be
0: or I don't know it's like I
1: feel like well I think also like the, and this may be strange to say but maybe you've perceived this too I feel like sobriety is a little more popular than it used to be it is yeah like it when is. I was when I got sober I was 26 and I feel like people were like I don't know if you've, do you if have you ever heard the comedian um, oh my gosh I'm blanking on his name
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. And
1: he does like the he does, he talks about being a blackout drunk and being yeah. sober. And he's like, when yes. you go to parties, nobody knows what to give you, and they're like, can you have this turnip? What's his name? Molini, <laughs> John Molini. John anyways, I think he's I think it's some of the best because it yeah. describes both being a blackout drunk and being sober so well. Mm-hmm. And so when I was you know 26 and sober, people were like, they didn't know what to do with me, and it got mm. awkward, and I was really aggressive about being like, I'm sober, stop asking me questions. Eh. And then now it's like, I just like know people who are sober just because they want to be like, not Mm. because they feel like they're an alcoholic and it's just really interesting. I feel like that's been a big shift in the past nine years, but
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. totally.
1: But definitely, I mean, it would be, I think sometimes it would be nice to be able to forget myself a little bit more
0: Mm. (laughs) than
1: I can as a parent. Yeah. And I don't have the same kind of, um, I don't have the same ability to just like check out when once the child's asleep and, and other parents can sometimes relax with like a glass of wine or this or that and so it is different i i mean i do you know it's, and they're like joint snuggy
0: on the couch yeah just like, out.
1: <laughs> but like parents do that and then yeah. um and you know i mean it's not like the thing is like being a parent's really joyful too it's just really stressful and i think the harder part was actually that you know i'd gotten to this place where i was feeling really good about the person i was becoming and who i thought i was and then being a parent kind of disrupts all of that, mm. especially the first year. And I think especially for, um, you know, the the parent who's like maybe the more stay-at-home parent or the one who's like breastfeeding, if you're doing that or whatever. And you tend to kind of lose a track of who you are a little bit, mm. so especially in that first year. You're, um, you know, you're attached basically to another being who's not really doing much talking or asking many many things because they're a little right. baby that has no thought or like, no, they have thought, but it's like, they're just this little, I say this love like a parasite. Yeah. And you like have to give them everything. Yeah. And so you lose a little bit of like knowing who you are. You, that that lost feeling was very disruptive for me. And I was in grad school too and working and all this stuff. So it was just really like- hard. <laughs>
0: Uh, two things. The first is, thank you for being so vulnerable. Three things. The second is, like, every day I jokingly say to Danny like, this is how I feel about having kids today. And hearing you describe that makes me really not wanna have kids, because it's sc- That sounds, which leads to the third point, that sounds like so, I think disruptive is the right word, but also it just sounds really scary to have my whole controlled, schedule, ritualed life, be totally upended by something that you have to just give that you want to just give to, like yeah. that sounds really scary, and for me, that sounds really unstable. It or maybe I think, that's just because I don't know what yeah, it up, you know. I
1: think it depends on like what kind of parent you are, too. Like, mm. cause I know some parents who are very good at like rigid scheduling and like controlled parenting in a way, but I'm. I'm not that kind of person right. anyways. Like, I've given up a lot of things in my life that I can't control because I feel like it's just healthier for me than trying to control things I have no actual control over. So I mean, how many times can I say control mm-hmm. so, And so my approach to parenting, and luckily my partner and I really um, meshed well on this, is, like, very relaxed um, and less rigid. But what that also meant is that... Um, there was more attachment, like constant Mm. attachment. And that's really, actually very hard for me. Like, I don't even like being touched that much by people. And, you know, I literally had, like, a baby attached to me Mm. all the time. And I think I'm still, my daughter's name is Aria, I think I'm still her preferred person to, like, be attached to. Mm. She's very physical, which I actually am really grateful for because I was afraid, as a parent, that my dislike of touch, which I do sometimes get, the the idea is, um, or the phrase is touched out, Mm -hmm. and that still sometimes happens, where Mm -hmm. I, like, have to, like, remove myself from Mm -hmm. a situation because I can't handle, I, like, physically, and then react in, like, an emotional way, like, can't be touched, Mm -hmm. and sometimes I have to do that with Aria, and I was very afraid that that would result in weird (laughs) issues with her, but she has no issue just being super cuddly and lovely, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and luckily my partner understands, so he and I have figured out how to work around that. But the loss of self and identity was a struggle too and made it really difficult to, I like didn't have a lot of ways to process some of that. One, because I was so busy and I'd engaged in all these like behaviors of like keeping myself really run thin and really active in a lot of different right. ways. And then um, I just didn't have the same processing, coping, sort of relaxing, turning off my brain
0: mechanisms that other people have did you how do you feel like your art practice was impacted or impacted your life at that point was it thriving was it non-existent because i feel like talking about loss of identity like for me something that i don't know i don't i don't even know if i tend to make more art when i'm feeling down or not um i I haven't really like thought about that but just more like when i'm busy i i tend to crave that certainly not being touched and also just like that solitude of being able to be kind of alone and then with my head on paper on canvas and clay whatever it is you know
1: yeah i mean i think i had turned to my art practice a lot when i got sober it was like and not that i made work about being sober i really didn't actually um but i definitely m- most of my busyness like all of the work i was doing was centered on my artwork and i was in grad school when i had aria um, and I definitely wasn't able to engage in as well in some of the connect, like the the things that people do in grad school to connect. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't really like going out to bars. That was, yeah. that was, that's not really my thing. Yeah. I, I don't mind. I don't mind being at bars, but it's like not fun for me to hang out at them for hours with mm-hmm. people, especially if it's like really loud and the main the main activity is drinking. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And openings are fine. I like them, but a lot of art culture is still really centric around drinking too. And that's very true in grad school. And um, so on top of that, having a child sort of, I felt isolated me a little bit. I mean, people were not, like they were not rude about it or anything. I just felt really isolated. And Mm. some of that might've been in my own head. But if anything, it meant that I was basically home or with my child at school and I was making work constantly and I was still showing and mm. I think if anything it made me more ambitious and more like determined to just keep at it I was very determined not to like lose myself completely
0: I mean yeah I would say that uh you are someone who's kind of like practice and also like praxis with community and family and your art is something that like I admire very deeply mm-hmm. um And I don't know something you're like bringing up. And again, I didn't know that maybe what listening to you would bring up so much fear. So I don't mean for this to be kind of like a, tell me about what 10 years from now is going to look like. (laughs) Um, But I'm just thinking about how for me, like I really move through the world through emotion Mm -hmm. and like the world sucks if I'm feeling bad and Mm -hmm. the world is just the most beautiful place if I'm feeling great. And I, and I feel like, that waxes and wanes when I get my period. You know what I mean? am yeah. like, mm-hmm. shit gets crazy for a week and I'm just like, what's happening? And then like someone was like, uh, is it like you getting your period? And I'm like, oh my God, you know? But like, it's, it really freaks me out to, to feel these kinds of emotional changes. And I know that pregnancy and then post-pregnancy, that's a part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Just like your body experiencing deep kind of chemical and emotional changes. And I, that would make me want to regulate. Mm-hmm, like, um, like, yeah like, with drugs or alcohol, and Mm -hmm. so did you experience, like, how did you kind of navigate any of the, Yeah, like. or did you experience that?
1: No, I did, definitely. I think, um, I I can remember, like, the summer, like, right after I had Aria before, I I wasn't doing classes during the summer, and I, like, just spent a lot of that summer crying, like, and it was, um, it was just because, like, I wasn't, like, Aria was, like, a super happy baby. Mm. She was very chill and easy and I just like was sad a lot and I was tired I was so tired and uh, what actually came of that was more work like more artwork that I ended up making and uh, this was kind of actually where Tired Bodies came from. Really? The series yeah.
0: Do you want to tell us about it?
1: Yeah so that summer I started doing these sketches of these very like limp exaggerated kind of abstract figures and um, that fall in school I made them into these soft sculptures is like life-size like really like larger than life size That's like 10 feet ish soft sculptures and the idea was that they were these tired bodies sort oh. of falling apart they can't they can't sit up straight they're almost they're not even stuffed fully so mm. they look like really old dolls that are like falling apart because you've loved on them too much you know they've given too much so they they mm. have nothing left to hold them up and um and they're all made from like used house linens that I had sourced from like thrift stores and things like mm-hmm. that. So they're like very intimate at the same time as being kind of gross. And um, I just started making them. I, they were drawings, and then they were soft sculptures, and then I started building like environments for them. And they, the the series is ongoing, and it's expanded to come to be about so many things. But I was very resistant at first about it to it being about motherhood. Mm. I wanted it to be more about. Um, you know, the culture of work and labor that we sort of put ourselves into. Because that was what I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about that in relation to motherhood. Which Mm. came later, because obviously. But at the time I was like, I just feel like I have to push myself. And I think that was me starting to understand how I was regulating using Mm. labor. But how that was actually very unhealthy for me in its own way. It's not drinking. At least I'm still not drinking. But I'm like literally falling apart there. Like there would be weeks where I would just go, go, go. I was sleeping four hours a night or Mm -hmm. less. And then I'd like not be able to move for a day. And that was very typical for me. Yeah. And it's like, that's not healthy. That's not good. It's another kind of like addictive behavior. And I, I think I was really confronting it at that time. Mm -hmm. And I love the series now. So.
0: Yeah. I think it's there it's just like profound Ooh, there's a question i'm just thinking about how it's profoundly like post labor like you got lost in labor again mm-hmm. and just like that kind of not only wordplay but that kind of well, that's you know, very much
1: about some of the work I'm exploring now with yeah. the Tired Bodies. The Endeavor was sort of like yeah. that. Um, she was supposed to birth all these other Tired Bodies. Oh, my gosh. And now I'm kind of creating... And there's I haven't really talked about this at all, but then sort of post-Endeavor exploration and research and sculptural work I'm doing is, like, another large figure. Oh, my god! But she births Tired Bodies that are... It's, like, more like a Russian doll situation. Ugh. The Nesting Dolls? The Nesting Dolls. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, um... Anyway, so this is this new concept that I'm developing and trying to get some funding for so I can do it because I want them to be very life-sized, but there's a whole performance element, and ugh, I'm very excited about it because I have now have come to understand in my work and up elsewhere the ways I want to explore labor and gender mm-hmm. and motherhood, but also like failure and, um, you know, violence and community and care and those things, and those are the themes mm-hmm. that I'm like entrenched in right now. With my work.
0: Yeah. Listening to you talk, I'm like, I totally know why I needed to know you. Because I'm just, (laughs) like, I feel like the way that you think and speak and conceptualize things makes a lot of sense. Um, Julie has a question for us. Uh, Thanks, Julie. How have you taught your daughter to acknowledge the humanity and everyone around them? Do you think it's easy for kids to perceive themselves as the main character? Whoa. That's a good question. Holy shit. Julie, haven't seen you on this live stream in a few weeks and you just come back with a heavy hitter question. Um...
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs>
1: Kids are the main character. I mean, but I feel like we all are a little guilty of,
0: like, being the main character, right? What does that even mean, honestly? Like, I feel silly not knowing it's what like that is.
1: It's like you walk through, through the world and you kind of forget that you, everyone else is living their life, too. And, oh. you know, um, and there's, like, a word for when you suddenly remember that everybody else has their own lives that are completely not connected to yours and like where they are the protagonists of their life. Right. Ego death. Yeah. Uh, it's not that there's like, it's like a, it's like a Swedish word or something. It's like on those lists of like words that other countries have that are better than English because they actually know how to describe
0: these really (laughs) profound (laughs) emotional things. Yeah. What do we have? Bucky's. We
1: have, (laughs) Um, but yes, no, I think definitely kids feel that way. And I think, Part of me is like they kind of are supposed to, right? Okay, yeah. Um, one of the... Okay, so so this is maybe going to get really... How much time do we have for <laughs> No, this
0: is it. Um, so this is a two-part question.
1: So I think one of the things I'm really interested in and I've been studying is the ideology of gift economies and gift exchange. And um, one of the kind of parts of this research is about how motherhood... Parenthood in general, but motherhood specifically is a gift exchange, a gift economy where the exchange is not equal. Mm. And, um, Between the parent and the, the and the child, and the child. And the, okay. so the like parent is the giver, particularly mothers, um, especially like if you think about like the bodily gifts that we give our children. Yeah. If, if your breath, if you're breastfeeding and all of these other things, but also just the labor, the physicality, the protection, all of that stuff, right? The whole
0: moment yeah. when you like maybe yeah. grow something, maybe yeah, you're
1: growing, you know, like all of that, and so. <laughs> <laughs> Just ever, right, I hated being pregnant, even though I had a very easy
0: pregnancy. So um, I feel like happy. you probably looked like really good when you were pregnant, if I may say that. Like, I hope you take it as comment. I
1: do. Uh, people did tell me that I was a very attractive pre- pregnant person. And <laughs> side note, weirdly, you get hit on a lot when you're pregnant, and it's kind of it's like very. Do they strange. say hubba, hubba. Like, it's I feel like, like that's
0: what they would say. Well, it's just like they are. you're like walking
1: around and people just like hit on you, and you're like, you can see that I'm pregnant, and then Brian, my my husband. This joke it's just really it's really gross but it's his sense of humor he's like well you know they know you, they know you put out <laughs> which is like a gross like it's his gross boy humor right um oh, but, sorry awesome
0: my God. <laughs> no this is how we are this is how these episodes are we're just like beep 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 beep, beep, beep. um okay so i just said haba hubba okay yeah, so okay. like whatever so gift exchange okay so
1: So there's this. So motherhood, parenthood is this exchange that is unequal, right? And I think it's meant to be, right? There's and that's like, that's what gift economy is about. sort of you're giving something that you know cannot be returned,
0: Mm.
1: or that uh, that where the value is not in its return, it's in the value of giving, of of continuing the gift, right? And so children receive these gifts and they don't really return them to the parents in an equal way. Instead they give them out by the person that they become and all this other stuff, right? This is, so, so, to tie this back to the question, it's like kids sort of have to be the main character so they can receive all this and then learn to become, hopefully, a good person that gives. And that, that's, that's the trick of being a good parent, right, is you have to figure out how to raise this thing, this child, this person, to be a person who is hopefully giving more to the world than they're taking and in that and that that labor is giving <laughs> to them more than you're going to get back. And so um I think there's a lot of like philosophies in parenting right now like gentle parenting that I think help this process more than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like parenting used to be a very different picture than it is now. Not that I know a lot about this. I'm not a, I'm not like a professional educator or
0: Jessica's a professional parent. Have you heard? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's like um you know what? You give, you know, you, I don't know how you specifically, like, teach them to acknowledge the humanity, but mm-hmm. you, like, model that behavior. And you are gentle with them when they make mistakes, and you, you, you are gentle with them when you're wrong or when they're wrong, because that, I mean, that, that's the stuff. Failure, that's, like, a big thing for me, mm-hmm. too, right now. It's, like, failure is where we learn that we are human, and that's where kids are going to learn they're human, You know, I apologize to my daughter when I'm wrong. She's only four. She's not even four yet, she's four in December, you know? Mm. But a lot of people are like, why would you apologize to your, like why do you explain to your kid this or that? And it's like, because they're they're a person. Mm. And like, nobody likes to be told to do something without knowing why. Mm. You don't like that, I don't like that. Most people, psychologically, that's their studies that people perform things they're supposed to do better when they know why they're doing them. So why would that not be true for kids? So you treat them like people. And that's, like, more common now. Mm. It's really frustrating for me to see parents, or really anybody, because this is a thing you hear a lot in the world right now. It's like, well, when I did it, it was this way. And it's like, well, was it good for you then? Because it sounds like it wasn't. And why would you want it to still be that way? Wouldn't you want to make it better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, I, that's the mindset I live and I try to parent by. It's like, yeah. I want it to be better. And... So I don't know if that answers the question. It's the
0: closest I can get. Though. Oh, my gosh. It totally answered it. That was that was really just – I don't even have anything to say because that was just good shit. <laughs> um, a lot of people have been commenting. Sorry that we haven't been kept up. Um, that was just a really good question. It has my head kind of spinning about a couple different things. I guess one of them just being um, – I I think about, like, my sobriety, I guess, or, like, I think about being kind of post-active addiction. And I've done a lot of, like, reparenting of myself. Mm -hmm. And wondering if you have thoughts around kind of, like, what it means. And also, like, people that we love and people that we're in partnership with. Like, ideally, we're not, like, reparenting each other. But I think inevitably, like, in partnerships romantic or not, that that happens. Mm-hmm. Like every exchange, every gift of friendship, relationship we give to each other, right? To use this idea of gift exchange, mm-hmm. like is, is an affirmation of the love or parenting that we received or didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's a negation of it. So like, how do you kind of navigate that space for reparenting self, if you think about it that way, and then actually like parenting and like, the partnering like that it just seems like a lot of relationships and i know that that's also like deeply embedded in your work yeah
1: um so yeah i mean i, I agree with the sentiment of reparenting self and in relation all relationships i mean like i learned i feel like well and, yeah yeah I, can you ask it again i feel like i lost it first. yeah no, i like I, had it and then i lost no,
0: it. no i think i'm just curious about how you see uh I don't know, like, you talked about getting lost. You yeah. talked about, like, kind of losing yourself. And I think, like... Um,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: like... Okay, so my partner drinks. And not only that, like, he was a Somalier. So he, like, studied wine and, like, knows a lot about it. And actually is very adorable when he geeks out about wine. Like, he talks about where it's from and it's, like... The stuff it's made of and I like, wow. think it's just like the sweetest, cutest thing. Like, Is he going to be here tomorrow? I think he's going to be here tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. cool. So I'm figuring out the, the stuff. Maybe we can talk about wine tomorrow. Um, and um, sometimes I'm like, you know, and, and he does it less now, but he used to overdrink sometimes. Mm. And it would be, and like as a parent, like I'm the one getting up in the morning to be with the child when he's got a hangover. And I'm not sure if this is, this is just like a very specific thing. And so it, it took him a while to be like, this is not a thing I can do mm. freely anymore. Like, you know, before I was like, I don't really care if you drink and you have hangovers like, and you're useless, but because it's like, I, I don't have to, like, it doesn't bother me. I'm at a place where I'm uncomfortable with yeah. that. I can, I do my own, I'm an early riser and I like my mornings to myself. But this was at oh a God. time when I didn't Same. get my mornings to myself right. because I had a child who was also his child right and he was useless and I was like dude (laughs) I don't care if you drink if you choose to drink but you have to be okay with the next morning when you have to get up Mm. and help me and and similarly and I could actually it was easy for me to actually be like because you know that when I make the choice to stay up all night in my studio working I still get up in the Mm. morning to be with that child Mm. and there's no excuse you make that choice And so there was a little bit of negotiation there with our time and energy. Um, Brian, my partner, was raised very differently than me. And although most of our methods of parenting have meshed well, there's things like, you know, he was raised in a household where you don't ask why. Mm. You know, you just listen to your parents. And I'm like, that's cool, but that's not how it's going to be, you know? Mm. And so this reparenting of yourself comes because you're, like, trying to figure out how to be a better parent to the kid. Mm. Right? Yeah. Is that close?
0: Yeah. There, I'm, <laughs> I'm not even, like, looking. I just love listening to you. Yeah. And I think about another way that people kind of engage with, uh, with this idea of reparenting, and it's with other parents. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, okay. mommy culture, or whatever culture you're in, because mm-hmm. um, we're here for every gender of parent, yeah. um, is, like... Kind of kind of alcohol-oriented? Can I say that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. It's like any social gathering. It feels like a lot of them... And not just like mom culture or parent culture. Um, a lot of things in our culture are built around drinking, right? Yeah. But yes, there is this sense of like... There's the Sunday play date and all the kids are playing and all the moms are having mimosas. And you get invited and you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, like... I just one haven't encountered that in a long time where right. I'm like, sur- you know, like it's. I just don't often find myself in those situations anymore. And then I became a mom, and I was like, oh, here I am with this group, and like the center activity besides like our kids playing together is us drinking, mm. which is like weird on multiple levels. Like, what, what is is mother? I mean, like I get it. Motherhood's hard, or parenthood is hard. It's stressful, but it's like, do I really need to be like drinking to escape this? Like, is it that? That bad?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, and but then it's like that's unfair too, because I know people also just want to relax or let go or whatever. Right. So like, I have this like constant, and that's what my head is like. Oh, but this, but oh, but this, and mm. I'm like trying to be like, you know, give them space to like be like, this is just what they need right now. But also, like, really, is this what we need right now? Yeah. <laughs> and um, luckily, I've found like just like in the rest of the world where sobriety is more popular, I feel like it's like a lot of moms I know now like don't drink a lot or. You know, don't make a big deal out of it. And that's great. But like after this, I'm going to a friend's birthday at a brewery because breweries are surprisingly convenient places for adults to gather and drink while their kids play. Because many breweries have outdoor play areas for the children. And so the parents hang out and the kids or the parents hang out and drink and the kids play. And that's like such a common invite. And that's fine. Like I'm fine with it. Like breweries are often really pretty too. And they often, now, this is awesome, a lot of them have non-alcoholic drinks that are, Mm. like, not just, like, water or Coca-Cola. And so that's great. Like, Mm. so... um,
0: Coca-Cola, everybody. mm. Do you drink
1: Coca-Cola? Do I drink Coca-Cola?
0: I've never called it Coca-Cola before (laughs) until you and your strawberry earrings. I'm just, like, Coca-Cola. Well, okay,
1: so I say soda, and then that's, like, not a Southern thing. And then in Atlanta, everybody calls it Coke. Oh. Even if they're talking about Dr. Pepper. And so now I'm in Florida and I'm like, I never know what to call anything. So I just, that was just like the word. Mm-hmm. Brian says I just
0: talk like a robot sometimes just because that's the way my brain. I think you talk lovely. <laughs> I, don't, I drink Sprite, so it's all good. But yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Um, so. Julie has another question for you. This one is a kicker. How do you maintain a romantic relationship and parenting partnership? Do you intentionally distinguish your time? To wear the like parent hat and the partner hat, mm. Julie. Ouch! These are these insane. are great
1: questions. I I feel like I want to take Julie for a
0: coffee and like you should you should Julie chat more in person to Julie? Where'd you just move to? St. Louis. I hope your job's going well. Yeah, I mean, Julie. Julie's running the show, not me. I'm <laughs> 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 doing shit today. <laughs> um.
1: So let's see. Right after having a baby, I didn't want to be touched for a long time. Uh, and I think part of that's just like, I really hated, like I said earlier, I hated being pregnant. Mm. I um, had a really surprisingly easy pregnancy compared to like many stories that I hear from so many people. And I was apparently a very pretty pregnant person. And my, my labor how about how about. was also, like, my birth was actually very easy too. Like probably unfairly easy. Like women who, people who have given birth... I don't tell them my story until I know they're okay hearing an easy story because lots of people do not have easy stories. And it's it's like a whole, I mean, you should look it up. There's, it's a whole issue in our country. Like for our first world country, our birth, our maternity, I'm mean, like forgetting the language, basically our reproductive like care of parents, of birthing parents is abysmal. And it's, oh. you know, and especially if you're a woman of color, it's like three times as worth bad, just like everything else. So anyways, side note. But despite all of that and recovering physically very quickly, I, um, just didn't want to be touched for a long time. I didn't feel, I just didn't feel sexy. And I just like, and then I was also being touched all the time by my baby. Right. And especially then it was very easy for me to feel like too, like it was too much. And Mm. touched out is the way mom, it has, I've learned it's described in a lot of parent circles. It's Mm -hmm. like when you just freak out because you cannot handle it anymore Mm. Um, and I think some of that's just because like of my trauma history and I think some of it's like I don't have a way to process or like release some of that feeling or that like responsibility Um, so for like the first year I would say like there wasn't much of a romantic physical relationship but I have a very caring partner and he um his like love language is like yeah we love
0: love languages is acts I, I, I'm sorry. I said
1: it like I said it like that. Like it was like not like like it was cheesy, and it's not cheesy. His, no, I mean it's you know, cheesy, but it's,
0: we love cheesy. It's a little cheesy, but drop I, your
1: love language in the
0: chat, bitches. You we want to
1: know. Well, his love language is axe, and he's
0: he cooks. He, he, he has used to you, be a chef. He hands you an axe. <laughs> <laughs> Did I that? <forget laughs> he does an, an axe bar. <laughs> no, I struggle with that word too because you're like Act. acts. Act. He Act. likes to he likes to get do acts. Act. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: That's so nice. Yeah, so food is a big one for him. Like, he feeds me. I'm
0: really actually terrible at feeding myself when he's not around. I could imagine with all those things that you have your tentacles. Right.
1: I'm very good at making sure Ari eats, but I'm terrible Mm. at feeding myself. So my weight fluctuates based on whether my partner is home or not. (laughs) Sadly. (laughs) Uh, But so he would, you know, he feeds me, and he makes sure I have, like, the things I want. And he knows all of those things very well. And he, like surprises oh. me with books that he knows i want like they, like he's not really into oh holiday God. gift giving but like yeah. he just when he sees something he knows i want and he can buy it he just it shows up any time of year anytime and so like that is romance too you know it's not just the sex but the sex stuff did come and it was great i mean my my body changed sorry this is this is too tmi you guys tell me but i'm not sure no,
0: i'm living for this and i know everyone on this
1: <laughs> But your body definitely changes after you have a baby, and so we had to, like, relearn sexually how to, like, work together well, Mm -hmm. and that's been super fun, and is actually really great, and kind of romantic. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, as Arya, we co-slept with Arya, which is when your baby, like, sleeps with you. In the bed? In the bed. Were you worried about, like, rolling on top of her a little? Not even... Once. Okay. Like it. People talk about that, and then of course people have opinions about co sleeping. I really don't want to hear them. Like every parent makes their own choice on this, and many many cultures it's very normal. So, Arya slept on me for a long time, and then when she got too big for that, sleeps between us, and she always has. And sometimes she chooses to sleep in her own bed now, but she still pretty much prefers to sleep with us, Mm -hmm. which does affect our sex life and our how romantic we can or can't be in bed together. Totally. Um, but we make a lot of effort and we're supported very well by her grandmas and we get to go on dates and hmm. they live really close, like, or right next door to us, and so they make sure that we have our time together alone. And sometimes that's playing video games in the same room all night while Aria sleeps over at grandma's house and sometimes that's going out and having dinner and the main thing is remembering to not just talk about her. Mm. You know? We talk about, we talk to each other. So yeah. wise you are. Mm. It's not always easy, though. Like, you know those yeah. are the things you're supposed to do, but you forget to do them, or you get so busy, or it's hard. Like, the other thing is we're very encouraging of each other's independence. Right. So, he goes on bike riding trips with his boys, his people. I'm going to London next week by myself to hang out with my little my, my little sister, my twin sister. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> we... There's no... You know, I, I went on a residency when Aria was two for a month. Mm. You know, and... He went to Alabama for six weeks for work just last month, you know? So it's like we have, we're have we very independent people, which I think actually helps maintain a sort of romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And he's chilled out on the drinking, cool. which is fantastic. <laughs> um, but, you know, every once in a while, he still opens up a very cool, funky bottle of wine from some winery I knew nothing about, and he'll tell me all about it, and it's, like, great. Mm. So...
0: Wow, thank you for being so vulnerable. Um, there is so much after Sober Baby that I feel like you and I could chat about outside of this screen. But, I think like Julie's question, I also think your answer, um, it, I just want to kind of pull something out of both of that really quickly, because something that I realized, I don't even know, probably in sobriety, was that really powerful relationships, take work. Mm. And I was under the impression that because I was having good sex and no conversation, AKA no conflict, I was having a powerful relationship. And I wasn't, I was in a manipulative one. I was in like a totally detached relationship and, uh, being in partnership with Danny has, I've never worked harder, you know, in a relationship. And in my mind, like that equals not sexy that equals like, like it used to not anymore, Mm -hmm. but it was just like, why, why do I have to, why do I have to work? You know, I just, I'm so selfish that I expect things to kind of just fall into my lap. And like, what I heard you describing is that your acts of labor are sexy and are difficult and are sleepless and are like maintenance, you know, like you're Mm -hmm. talking about like growing and maintaining something. And I just never ever knew that that's how relationships worked until a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the same would be true for my relationships when I was not sober. It's like I I did, well even if I knew that they required maintenance, it's like I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And it was so difficult that I would just check out instead mm-hmm. of like check, like doing it, doing <laughs> your work, right? And you you know, I was in a relationship when I got sober, and we were, I think it was, like, a six months into it, and then we s- continued to date for, like, two and a half years, maybe, and, um, I'll be forever grateful for that relationship, because partly, like, uh, I'm not, like, I don't want to say I wouldn't have gotten sober if I hadn't been in that relationship, but definitely there was a lot of encouragement there, because mm-hmm. he had, you know, family history of, abuse like alcohol abuse and stuff and it was like he was just not interested in taking care of me you know he's like i'm not going to he like did it once i had like a blackout night and he's like i'm not i'm not gonna do that again i'm mm-hmm. not gonna like carry you home or like deal deal with this and i was like all right all right and then i like for a couple more months i was like i'm gonna drink and not blackout it's gonna be fine i can do this and then i was like "Mm not happening can't do it so then he had he was with me while i was figuring out what kind of person i was gonna be right and it was a lot of work on his part, and I will forever be grateful to him. And I think the problem is that I learned that that was not a great relationship for me. Right. And so it was it was hard because, like, I was grateful to him for like being with me while I was doing the work. But you, when you learn who you are, you also kind of learn who you are meant, who you are meant to not be with or be with, mm-hmm. and that's
0: unfortunate because.
1: It wasn't. There were parts of that relationship
0: that were not very good for me at all. Mm. So, yeah, it's those kinds of difficult decisions that we get to make that are yeah. so real, yeah, it's and, raw, so and raw, and there's nothing
1: to blunt <laughs> the emotional edge yeah. at all.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So,
0: uh, but
1: yeah, there's wow. a lot of work in maintaining my relationship with with Brian and my relationship with Aria. Mm, having a kid is constant work and maintaining, especially because. They have, they're learning to control themselves as people. Right. <laughs> and you can't be mad at them that they don't know yet. Right. they just
0: don't. <laughs> so. Wow. Thank you for being so... Just so real. I learn so much when I listen to you. And I also think it's so funny that out of all of these... Multiple weeks that you and I have been like texting and communicating and setting up that like This is actually the first time that we've gotten to sit down and be in space together and be like hi, like yeah. Thank it's you. It's always go go go
1: go go go. Yeah. But I feel like that's like I expect we expect. Yeah, that a it's the bit. vibe Maybe
0: somewhere. we will get to hang out a little bit. Hopefully we can dance together cuz Soph who's on this live stream is gonna be DJing um, mm-hmm. but yeah um, if folks have like follow-up questions if Julie has follow-up questions, can they reach out to you? Is Absolutely, that okay? Okay. Yes,
1: definitely. I
0: like to talk to people. Okay, cool. So. Definitely check out um, Jessica's Instagram. It's Zinka Project and also the gallery that she facilitates, um, Good News Arts. And come meet Jessica if you're in Florida tomorrow um, from 5 to 7 p.m. We're going to be having the closing reception for shade which is a photo exhibition that i've been so fortunate to be able to share and show at good news and it's gonna be great there's gonna be a dj it's gonna be a sober event we're gonna just like look hot and boogie and be in space together so thank you so much for truly the highlight of my week because i've been (laughs) going through it man
1: (laughs) i am so happy to be here and thank you for inviting me back oh
0: my gosh of course Mm. of course bye guys thank you so much See you. Ciao. Hey, this is Marina, the host and creator of Sober Baby. Hang out until after the credits for cringy and cute selections from behind the scenes. To listen to all of our episodes, watch the live show each week, and to support Sober Baby, head to our link tree, linktr.ee backslash soberbaby. Thank you to all of our patrons for helping make this show possible. My college cutie, Miranda DeMaze Nordling, for music direction, curation, and licensing through Now Again Records. Queen of Crochet, Jenny Alpa for audio engineering. My partner, Danny Vargas, for the endless support and love. And all of the sober babies out there, because without you, this doesn't happen. It's too good. I love how I get a notification that I just went live. It's like, I know, I'm here. We got the Wi Fi password.